Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by, oh boy, it's Meredith. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Uh, it's good. You know, it's the usual, uh, it's a cloudy Saturday during quarantine. So looking forward to another exciting day of being indoors. It's the same damn day every day, everybody. We're all trapped in Groundhog's Day, except somehow (laughs) less interesting, but more terrifying. There are just so many more Nazis. and way more Nazis than you thought there would be. You're like, we'll have like Bill Murray. He'll be charming. There'll be a little groundhog. It'll be a good time. But it's just Nazis. No, it's like like if you were in Groundhog Day, but every actor was replaced with a Nazi. Yeah, it's it's just Bill de Blasio killing that groundhog over and over Over and over again and over (laughs) And over. Guys, did you know right now there's a bonus episode of Light Trees and News that you can go listen to where uh, Meredith and I got to got to do a bonus episode together, which was very exciting for us. And a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to it, you should, because we talked to an amazing film director, Jeff Barnaby, uh, who made a movie I really dug. And I think the listeners will, too. Yes, you guys should check out Blood Quantum. We talk all about the film on the bonus episode in addition to how native peoples have always been prepared for the apocalypse uh, (laughs) due to white genocide Um, and how uh, it's really serendipitous that this film came out when it did because of the ongoing pandemic. But we get into all types of fun stuff. We talk about martial arts at one point. It's just, it's a good time. Yeah. He is, uh, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, one of us. (laughs) He is truly one of us. Like, do you want dope comic book recommendations? Go check out that episode. Uh, Yeah, Jeff's great. Go follow him on Twitter And yeah, if you're a fan of the content of Light Treason News, if you've been enjoying these episodes, uh, once again, you never hear any commercials on Light Treason News because we're 100% listener supported. That's how you support me. You support my co-hosts who are paid every time they're on the show. Uh, If you go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button or... You could go support my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. There's also bonus episodes up there with me and Mr. Charles Rockhill, where we are ranking our favorite Internet conspiracy theories. We really spiral on those episodes, you guys. We (laughs) we get into it probably more than we should. Listen, do we constantly say slanderous things on the bonus episodes? Yes, because we're behind a paywall and no one can touch us. And this community is all about trust. So I trust you guys not to (laughs) tell anyone what is being said on those bonus episodes, but they're very fun. So yeah, for as little as $5 a month, you get access to those. So go, go sign up if you are able to do so. Of course, the regular show is free to everyone because you know what? Times are tough and I get that not everybody can sign up, but I did want to thank um, Catherine, who just signed up. 
uh, at my Patreon. Thank you so much for the support. And yeah, I guess let's just get into recommendations since I'm desperately trying to stay on schedule. <laughs> Every episode that I've done over Skype, we've gone over time. Like no matter how hard I try to stay on schedule, I have no idea why. I have a fucking clock counting down how much time we're recording and I still have gone over time every single time uh, <laughs> but so recommendations someone asked me I've actually had a few people tweet me asking when I'm going to recommend this listen you little sons of bitches sometimes I just don't get to recommending to things things because we run over time <laughs> because we're rambling doesn't mean I don't like it doesn't mean I haven't seen it but yeah, okay, Perry Mason is good. Get off my oh. junk, all right? Perry Mason is great. I love it. It's it's wonderful. Uh, it is good. And Matthew Reese, who doesn't love him? He is can delightful. Just, can we unpack how hot he is? Oh, my God. I, I mean, what is there to unpack? He's just perfection in a slightly rumpled package. Yeah, but it's it really is just not that he's unattractive, but if you like walked past him on the street, you wouldn't be like, da damn. But it's like the way he carries himself. I don't know. It's like the delivery of the lines. There's just like it, he does have that X factor where it's like, I don't know why you're so hot, but you are so hot. Oh, I completely agree. I imagine that we probably have walked past him somewhere in, uh, you know, while just kicking it in Brooklyn and didn't notice him because oh, I would be is. devastated, <laughs> devastated to learn that is true. And it definitely is true because I am famously unobservant when I am walking around. I'm always the person with a group of people will be walking around and then everyone is excitedly whispering. And I'm like, what? And they're like, we just walked past Robert De Niro and I saw nothing. See, I, given the number of times that I have walked past Carrie Russell in Brooklyn, I imagine yes. I must have passed, uh, passed him as well. But, you know, I try not to think too hard about it. And, uh, you know, the, the, just makes me want to watch the wine show again, thinking about. Uh, right. I never saw that. It's delightful. I mean, uh, it's him and Matthew Good just I know. being charming and getting tanked in Italy. It's like, how do you go wrong? Are you sure you didn't just dream that? No, it's on Hulu. It's okay. brilliant. Oh, it's on Hulu? God, it's so accessible. I have to go watch it. All right. So I'm going to check that out. <laughs> Yeah, Perry Mason's great. And when I originally, I, I really, really would have loved to be in the room when like Robert Downey Jr., who's an executive producer, was like pitching the show because it's such an odd take on Perry Mason. It's like, OK, it's Perry Mason. It's the Perry Mason that everybody knows. But when he was a young man, pre him being a lawyer, when he was like a dirtbag detective slash failing farmer uh in like the early 20th century in the United States. It's just like a very weird pitch. So when I heard what it was about, where I was like, oh, it's this weird sort of like film noir take of Perry Mason, like very, very dark. I have to say like trigger warning for intense violence. Uh, there is a full on dead baby in the first like 30 seconds of the pilot. And I feel like I just have to throw that out there. It's not even really a spoiler, 
But just to warn people, because I was not prepared to see a full-on dead baby. And, you know, who really is? Ever. Who's ever? <laughs> and, and, like, guys, it's graphic. So I just want to, like, warn people, because I think when you hear Perry Mason, you're like, oh, like, my grandparents used to watch, so this will be rated G. And it's like, no, 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 it's on HBO. It's very dark. Um, the supporting cast is phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's just great. You guys should... Do check it out. Even if you were like, Perry Mason, is that relevant? Guess what? It is. Oh, 100%. And uh, let's not forget uh, Tatiana Maslany of Orphan Black is in it. And uh, uh, Lily, uh, I'm spacing on her name. Um, that I cannot help you with. But you are, Googling. there is another person. Yes. <laughs> I'm Googling everybody. I'm Googling. She's so great. I love her. I shouted her out when I tweeted about it because I was like, wow, this cast is so stacked. Um, oh, John Lithgow, of course, is in it. Uh, so good. Um, wow, they really didn't give her Lily Taylor. God, she's oh, like yes, yes, yes. 20th down. She's a major character. How dare everyone? Uh, yeah, they're they're all so good. Everybody's perfectly cast. Um, also, shout out to Chris uh, Chalk, who plays Officer Drake. Great character. I had never seen him in anything before, but he's really, really good. I have a feeling he's going to be in, like, everything <laughs> after this because he's so good. And, like, I'm sorry. If you can hold the, the screen with Matthew Reese, you should be cast in everything going forward. So... Check it out, guys. Um, also, I guess, yeah, we should talk about WAP, right? I was going to say we probably need to <laughs> just launch right into it because, wow. I really wanted to talk about, like, I wanted to talk about WAP. I wanted to talk about Black is King because I was like, I feel like talking about one without the other is a disservice because these are, like, the two biggest visual events that have happened recently where like literally everyone I know is like, have you seen WAP? And the answer is always like, I've seen it a hundred times and I've listened yeah. to the song a hundred times. So if you have not seen WAP yet, you immediately go watch it. Also listen to the, the soundtrack or not soundtrack, but the single, because if you watch for, the video, it's yeah. weirdly censored it's and heavily censored. Yeah, like to the point where Cardi B was like, I know, I know, I know, I'm going to drop the uncensored version soon because everybody was so pissed. But I think regardless, it's it's enjoyable to watch. The visuals are dope. Uh, Cardi and Megan Thee Stallion look incredible. Um, I will say this, though. So watching it, and I love Cardi B. Don't get me wrong. Megan Thee Stallion is so good that it was like nobody else was on screen for me when she was on screen. <laughs> she is absolutely incredible. I don't know how anyone could be that magnetic. It's ridiculous. Like she's gorgeous. And apparently like the, the people who were there when she was on SNL, like talk endlessly about how she is breathtaking in person. Like you can't speak <laughs> in her. I've heard like people talk about Beyonce that way. Like when Beyonce walks in, everyone like the oxygen just leaves the room and everyone's just like, Oh my God. But Megan, the Stallion, so she's like gorgeous, but she's also such a good rapper that sort of this. And I hate 
you know, pitting female rappers against each other. Like there's enough space for more than one <laughs> female rapper at a time, <laughs> despite what like literally our entire culture would tell you where it's like, as soon as Cardi B emerged on the scene, people were like, okay, so I guess Nicki Minaj is dead. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why can't they both exist at the same time? But anyway, so I'm not trying to like pit them against each other, but Megan's so good that I was just like, well, this is the Megan the Stallion show. Yeah, well, and it's okay. I mean, they're both bring their talents. It's just that Megan's operating at another level right now. And uh, I love how unbelievably filthy it is. It's just it is the so most dirty, obscene. It's I love it. Can I tell you my favorite part of that was how so many quote unquote progressive men outed themselves as being like, closeted conservative when it comes to talking about anything to do with vaginas. Like I was in multiple group texts with men who were like, yeah, but the lyrics are just like so vulgar. And I was like, okay, I immediately don't trust you. If you think wet pussies are gross because it tells <laughs> me that you don't encounter them very frequently, which makes me feel sorry for your significant others. Yeah. And why are you like so worried about this anyway? This is, I, we know you watch porn. We know you definitely watch porn with dudes saying stupid shit about vaginas. Why is it scary when someone talks about actually having sex they enjoy? I think, oh, right. I honestly I think, think the I get only, it. <laughs> yeah, I think the only difference is it's two incredibly empowered aggressive and I'm sure they're perceived as extra aggressive because they're black right. women talking about wet ass pussies. And that freaks out a lot of guys. Yeah. Well, it also is a good like moment to remember that we don't really need dudes. No, like they, they are not necessary to most of what's going on if they're given the opportunity to take advantage of things that are on offer they should be grateful and maybe that's what is so scary about it is these two very like hot kind of scary ladies are describing all of the things they want that's just too much for some people yeah and genuinely the only thing that makes them scary is that what you just said, they're saying what they want. And if you're a racist, they're, they're black ladies. So that's scary to you. So, but like, literally that is the only fear factor going on at play there. But it was so interesting. Cause these are like dudes who would identify as being like, quote unquote, woke, quote unquote, liberal. And still they were like, yeah, but do they have to be so graphic? And it's like, what are you afraid of? Like, <laughs> These are men who probably have nightmares about like uh, vaginas with teeth, you know? I mean, they're just afraid because they know they can't possibly measure up. And no, I think they're super intimidated. Yeah, for sure. That's all it is to it is it's like, of course, you're afraid of it being vulgar, because if somebody can describe something so uh, in such detail, then you might actually have to deliver. I just want to put out a PSA to everybody. Don't try to do the splits just because Cardi and Megan do the splits in the video. Okay. Like I know we're all excited. I know maybe you feel like there's a rush of adrenaline. You're like, I can do it. I'm going to practice in quarantine. You can really easily tear a groin muscle. Okay. And I know we're all excited. 
because like Megan looked really good doing it, but just that's my PSA. Yeah, there are videos, there are whole like processes. You can go on YouTube and there are like steps to doing the splits. They teach you how to do it and you like learn and you make it possible. If you're interested, take it slow. It's you gradual. Really hurt yourself. It's a gradual process. You can't go right into a deep split. You will hurt yourself. So that's my PSA. That's the only potentially bad thing that I could see happening after WAP coming out. Like just so many groin tear injuries. So everybody just like stay limber, stay hydrated, be smart. You know, like know your body's limits. Yes. So also, before we get into the bad news section, I wanted to talk about Black is King because we have to, because it's Beyonce. Um, if you haven't seen it, Beyonce put out another visual album, this one to coincide with the Lion King soundtrack that she did for Disney. Disney gave her roughly $18 billion to make this uh, visual masterpiece. <laughs> just so good. It's it's Beyonce with Disney money. So it's exactly what you're thinking. It is just like so over the top, so gorgeous, so like achingly beautiful it's really tender. I don't know, like a uh, brown skin girl made me cry just because I kept thinking about all of the young black women who and black girls watching this who will like feel beautiful and feel really good about themselves and feel supported because Beyonce is telling them they're beautiful. So I was like, it felt good watching it just because it was a love letter to the black community at a time when you know, we're all living through the moment, but black people, especially people of color, especially are dealing with tremendous police violence and basically total abandonment by the state. And I don't know, it just felt like a much needed moment of, of love and support. Yeah. And I, I mean, the world probably did need a Beyonce album right now. Yeah. It just it, reminding young women to love themselves, to feel proud, to also be unapologetic in culture and fashion and beauty and just pull it all together in that totally meticulous way. She's a genius. It's ridiculous. And let's not forget, too, because, you know, a lot of, again, racists like to play the respectability politics bullshit where they're like, well, now that Beyonce is like, almost a Madonna figure because if you watch black is King, she's, she's presented as a Madonna figure through much of it. She is a mother, um, very maternal in, in this video, uh, movie, but let's not forget that Beyonce is very good friends with Megan the stallion and has always rejected that, that kind of divisiveness where if anybody was like Beyonce, good, Megan, the stallion, bad and slutty, Beyonce would be the first person to be like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And she does a lot to uplift, even, you know, set aside the early days of Destiny's Child, has been a huge supporter of mm -hmm. <laughs> women artists since then. Yes, you know. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, check it out if you can. I think it's it's great. I have no time for these think pieces that are like, where is the space for criticism of Beyonce? And it's like, man, if you want to do it, have at it. But I don't know. Do we need to shit on something that made so many people feel good at this moment in time? <laughs> I, I do not think that we need to be getting into that. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. This is not... 
there are genuinely reprehensible things happening in the world and in pop culture. So why not criticize those things and let people enjoy the absolutely gorgeous experience of uh, Beyonce just being incredible? Exactly. Just back off. Let people be happy. Uh, Meredith, do you have any recommendations? I do. So uh, there is a new season of the Danish show The Rain um, in which uh, teenagers essentially have to, like, the rain becomes poison. There's all kinds of conspiracies. A bunch of young people have to, like, survive and uh, figure out what's going on. It's super weird. If you are the kind of person who likes dark, uh, you would like this. Um, I have a feeling much like dark. I'm going to need to rewatch the prior. Was there one or two prior seasons of the rain? One season. Okay. So that won't be as daunting to rewatch it, but I did watch the rain. I remember liking the rain. I have forgotten all of the rain season one. Yes. And I, frankly can't remember if I dreamed some of what happened or if it really was part of the plot, but either way it's going to be, you know, I'm excited. The first couple episodes have been good. Uh, so I like, you know, I like that. I think people should be into it. Uh, also let me see. I had a note with stuff, but it doesn't really matter. Um, just, uh, Oh, also the YouTube videos of, teenage these uh young twin brothers listening to pop music for the first time uh i will find their uh you may have seen the phil collins in the air tonight um (laughs) video circulating um no i missed this Ooh, it's like two uh black teenagers they're brothers uh um they listen to songs like pop songs for the first time and they like the videos are just them experiencing them. So the a clip um, of them listening to the pivotal moments of In the Air Tonight and then freaking out at the, the drum coming in. Oh, yeah. Oh, my like God. To, to experience that for the first time, you know, when you like watch a movie that you really love with a loved one and you're just so excited for them, that would be what I was feeling uh, in the lead up to that drum solo. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, of course, this is amazing, but they have a whole YouTube channel. They're Twins the New Trend on YouTube. And like, you want to see them listen to Jolene for the first time? Oh my it's god. Great. It's absolutely great. They finished Jolene and correctly list it as a straight banger. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hashtag facts. Uh that is such a good idea for a YouTube channel. Wow. Yeah. So that's just my that's my other, you know, serious recommendation because everyone needs a little bit of joy and we should all be as able to feel joy and like exist purely like these lovely young men just living. Oh, I love that. How old are they? Uh, they look like they're, I don't know, 17, 18. Like, uh, that's great. I love that so much. Yeah. It's uh, just, um, oh, they freak out. It's so, and I, <laughs> yeah, the, the Phil Collins thing has been, you know, going around and, you know, it's like one of the jokes from 30 rock that doesn't need to be canceled where, uh, Tracy says, I'm going to make you a mixtape. 
uh, do you like Phil Collins? And Jack says, I've got two ears and a heart, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, Well, any other recommendations before I move into bad news? No, I suppose we can get into the bad news. All right, guys. I'm sorry. It's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. So first in bad news, I wanted to talk about uh, the couple of very confusing executive orders that Trump announced uh, recently on Friday. He said he's going to pursue an executive order requiring insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions. And that probably will sound very familiar to many of you because it already fucking exists under the Affordable Care Act. So... Understandably, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, were like, what is happening with this? And the only thing that I can think of is he is hoping that we already know that he thinks very, very little of his base and that they are stupid people who will vote for him no matter what. I think this is probably just a calculation that this is something that is almost a universal desire by Americans. And he's just sort of hoping they'll forget that it already exists under a piece of legislation that was signed into law during the Obama administration. Yes. And this is another one of those, oh, well, he said he's been saying that he's got a health care plan to replace Obama, like the ACA for three years, three and a half Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And he's always saying it's coming in two weeks. So if he just sort of throws a few things out there that already exist that people want uh, when they don't actually have insurance because nobody has a damn job. Right. I'm sure that this sounds, you know, might sound appealing. Uh, so, yes, I think he's he's just an illiterate moron who uh, does uh, does these things without actually thinking about whether they exist and hopes that people just give him credit for it anyway, because that's right. what uh, that's his whole M.O. And that's his whole life, you know, that that's being a a rich, privileged asshole who was just handed your entire estate. You get credit for shit you haven't earned. (laughs) So I think this is just, yeah, his his usual M.O. Yes, it is 100 percent the board on third base thinks he hit a triple kind of situation. And yeah, I mean, he's so furious that his poll numbers are terrible that he's got to just straight up cheat his way towards any chance at being reelected. He's just going to throw everything at the wall. And that's, yeah, it's going to get weirder and weirder in the next couple of months. I swear. Yeah, well, speaking of unemployment now he, because obviously the Democrats and the Republicans have not reached a agreement on extending the unemployment benefits, uh, or the second stimulus checks. And this is dragging on and on and on and on. And now Trump is like, well, I'll just sign it in, into existence if they can't reach a compromise. And it's like, what are you talking about? What are you signing? What are you like? What figure are you landing on 
unilaterally. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm just going to, I'll sign an executive order to make the money come back. Like, that's not how this works. It's just yeah. like him saying he wants to delay the election. There's all kinds of things he can't actually do, but he's desperate for approval. And so he's going to throw this stuff out there. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of his executive orders. Now TikTok is threatening to sue to block Trump's executive order, effectively banning the Chinese owned video sharing app in the United States in 45 days, calling the president's action, a dangerous precedent threatening open markets. Um, yeah. So this is the one executive order that I'm like, this might happen. (laughs) Yes. And who knows what it's going to look like? I mean, that he's demanding that they sell and that the U.S. government get a cut because that's like what deals are. Uh, The whole thing is just, I, I truly do not understand why this has become such a thing for him. Like, is it just literally the only thing I can think of is it's just China bashing. And again, like we've talked about this a bunch on the show, This is not to excuse anything shady that TikTok is doing. Obviously, there's a lot of privacy concerns, as there is with a lot of apps that we all use, including like Facebook. But I I have to imagine, like, why is he so fixated on TikTok rather than, say, like Zuckerberg, where there's as many, if not more, privacy concerns and also like international ramifications in terms of like our election and, and stuff like that. Like if you're worried about TikTok, you should also be worried about Facebook. If your primary concern is privacy violations. The only thing I can think of is it's just China bashing for him, which is, you know, he loves to do it. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned Facebook. I mean, they have a lot of connections to American based companies and get a lot of allowances to be able to, you know, have misinformation, you know, sent through, uh, they actually have control over the kind of bullshit that goes up. So they're like connected to the meddling as opposed to with a foreign company, it's not in their control. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's occasionally useful for powerful people in the United States. Um, yeah, he was on a real roll cause when did he say this? Oh, I guess on Monday night, he was, uh, asked about the staggering death toll from coronavirus in the United States. And he responded, it is what it is. <laughs> a thousand people are dying a day. Look, it is what it is. <laughs> Especially now that there's this new figure coming out that by the end of the year, there might be 300,000 deaths in the United States. It is what it is, you guys. Yeah. I mean, you could die at any time. You could get hit by a bus. You could have an air conditioner fall out and onto your head, out of the window and onto your head. We just don't know. And It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, by getting up every morning and living, you are risking death. So uh, this is just how it goes. It's why we have to open up the economy and the schools, guys. This is just so, how it goes. So this is the next thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, but before I get into the reopening of the schools, so I just remember circling back to the Affordable Care Act when everybody was calling it Obamacare and there was all of this like right-wing fear-mongering about death panels. 
how, how they were gonna force yeah. you to get care or deny you care because you uh, the, you weren't going to be in control of your healthcare because you would have access to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did all of that concern go now that we literally are asking teachers to go back to work, putting their lives on the line to teach kids? Um, because, you know, there's been a lot of press about how kids don't die as frequently from coronavirus as adults do, at least right now, according to all the evidence that seems to be true. Not that kids can't die from it. They can die from it. But it's it's just statistically less likely to happen and they can carry it asymptomatically. So your kid could go back to school, never knowing they have coronavirus and pass it on to their teacher and kill them. So we're now asking teachers to put their lives on the line, but there's like no concern from the same people who were like death panels, death panels, death panels. It's like, well, now we actually have a, a type of death panel where we're asking poor people who might need schools for stuff like childcare to, to send their kids to school so they can, you know, eat well or relatively well throughout the day. We ask poor people every day to make these life and death decisions, but that's not a a form of a death panel. No, because it doesn't have anything to do with the market, Allison. These (laughs) children are lucky to be getting any education at all because we could have them in the factories like the good old days of the late 20th century. You know, I Uh, just miss when like a five-year-old would go get me coal. You know? I mean, their tiny hands can really get in there and you don't need to know your ABCs for that kind of stuff. And if they are going to be, if they're not at risk in the same way as adults, maybe we should be making them the essential workers. Right, right. Get Just, you, you know, know, get them little face shields and send them the fuck in there. What are we doing? We're raising a bunch of snowflakes. It is time to give all of the Postmates jobs to children on tricycles. They I want a baby wagons i want a baby to bring me a bagel right now right now (laughs) what the fuck is your baby doing give it a bagel bring it to me if you can toddle you can cut that thing in half (laughs) so uh, new york state which let's just remind everybody not that long ago we were the epicenter of the outbreak over thirty thousand people died it was kind of big deal. But guess what, you guys? We are now one of the few places in the country that is reopening our schools, which is just great. Uh, Everybody is super psyched about. I've spoken to many of my teacher friends who just can't wait to maybe die because of this dumb fucking decision. And, you know, the other major cities are not doing this. And fucking de Blasio and Cuomo's reasoning is, well, you know, our transmission rate is only 1% right now, as if it's going to stay that way once the schools are open. And we've seen in Georgia entire classes being quarantined within a day of school being open because somebody tests positive. 
Yeah, I'm sure we'll people be, have seen this photo on Twitter at North Paulding High School, which is just outside Atlanta. One of the students uh, named Hannah Waters took a photo of her very crowded high school hallway immediately went viral. Everybody was like, oh my God, like in the photo, there's only like a couple kids wearing masks. Everybody immediately clocked it as like, this is going to be a fucking disaster. Lo and behold, uh, they immediately documented cases of coronavirus. Uh, it, it hit the football team particularly hard, as you would imagine, because they're in very close contact with each other. Hannah, the school tried to suspend her for posting this photo online. She literally did nothing wrong. She was just like, check out my school. This is crazy. They tried to suspend her. Fortunately, um, that suspension was reversed, according to her mom, Lynn, uh, who spoke with the school's principal, in which I'm sure was an amazing conversation. I wish we had details about it. But uh, she told CNN that Hannah is no longer suspended, which is good. But if you think this is going to happen in, in Atlanta but, and it's not going to happen in New York City, you're fucking high. Absolutely. And Atlanta is a place that where these kids probably are not relying on public transportation to get to their schools. They have a very, you know, this area. They're not in an urban setting in the same way. And, like, just the number of potential exposures a child is going to have to encounter just to get to wherever they're classroom is is terrifying yeah and, and a lot of these security measures don't make any fucking sense like temperature checks how many times do we have to say that people can carry this asymptomatically that means you don't have a fever so you ostensibly look like a healthy person walking around and you can kill someone. So like even a lot of these, you know, the we'll have like 10 kids in a classroom. We'll control the flow of students down the hallway. Like a lot of this is just security theater. There's no way to control this thing. You are asking poor people to go die because you just want to restart the economy. And in New York also, because the schools are all so old and so shitty and uh, have been falling apart for decades, uh, they don't have the kind of ventilation systems that are necessary to actually make it safe. And they can't have classes outside for part of the fall because all of the barriers that are that would be necessary to actually set up those spaces outside are currently in use by the NYPD to block off uh, precincts from potential protesters. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, were you excited to breathe in black mold before? Now you have black mold and corona. Exciting. It's awesome. And when you think about the racial disparities for health in, you know, throughout the boroughs, yeah, just add a bunch of, uh, add coronavirus to all of the terrible pollution in the Bronx that gives every child asthma. That's not going to have, that's not going to cause an issue. Yeah. Um, By the way, yeah. yeah, if you want to talk about a bunch of high risk people in New York City, we have tons of high risk people because of what you, exactly what you just said, asthma. If you get mm -hmm. coronavirus and you have asthma, it's going to be a bad time. Yeah. And, you know, we're just starting to see some new research that suggests that uh, children, even if they don't get sick in the way that we're noticed coronavirus doing things already, uh, it could still have long term health effects for them in the same way that we're now seeing that people who get corona end up uh, with, you know, 
the severe heart damage, brain damage, you know, long-term lung damage, like kids can actually deal with that stuff without having any of the acute respiratory symptoms. It's think, real fucked. Yeah. That, that's one of the most upsetting things about this. It's like, we don't even understand this thing yet. And we're like, just throw the kids back into school. We're just scraping the surface in terms of understanding the neurological side effects of coronavirus. We don't even understand this thing. And they're trying to reopen everything again because the economy. Yeah. Well, and the economy is not going to get any better as long as this shit continues because right. we haven't even seen the worst effects of it. We don't know how many businesses are going to close beyond the ones that have already said they can't reopen. If we can never reopen because it's never safe because we just are waiting on a magical vaccine that no one's going to take because we have a bunch of fucking idiots in this country. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. They yeah. keep saying it'll be free to everybody, and it's like, cool. The anti-vaxxers still won't take it. <laughs> yeah. The, the cost will not be the issue. It's the fact that we already have people who believe vaccines cause autism. If there's any problem whatsoever with an early dose, any of the testing, any yeah. sort of negative side effects. Um, Done. It's it's over. There'll never be herd immunity. We're gonna live in a we'll live in a disease ravaged hellscape forever, and we'll never so, be allowed to travel. So we can't even flee. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. No country will take us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's oh boy. An, there's an amazing uh, video. Somebody put it up on Twitter where it's just Yakko uh, from Animaniacs mm -hmm. uh, doing the country song, and then it's all blanked out with and just the music except for the like five countries that <laughs> Americans are allowed to travel to. <laughs> That's so good. I think I saw people posting that and I was just like, what is this? Um, so speaking of not even really dealing with the consequences of this yet, I wanted to talk about evictions because I really, really feel like we're sort of in the, the suspension period of, you know, when you're on a roller coaster and the roller coaster starts to, <laughs> come down and for a second you're weightless, um, but you haven't actually started plunging yet. That's the period we're in right now because there are 30 million to 40 million people in the United States at risk of being evicted by the end of the year, uh, according to a report released on Friday by the National Low Income Housing Coalition. And Congress is just sort of like not doing anything, not sort of, Congress is not doing anything about this. Here in New York City, there was sort of this like milk toast agreement where it was like, well, you can't legally evict people, but we're still going to have like a running tally of how much money they owe you. So really not canceling rent or fixing the problem, just sort of being like, you can't throw people out onto the street, but you're still going to ruin them financially at the end of this. Don't worry, landlords. Yeah. Well, and uh, the, I think I saw like one in four people uh, under, God, now I can't remember this. The number, like when you actually start getting into the statistics of how many people have not been able to pay rent in August, mm -hmm. uh, and that's, you know, on top of who might have already been struggling before, yeah, we're looking at a, a massive crisis, and we could have seen this coming. You know how easy it was to see it coming? The TV show I work for, Patriot Act with Tesla Minaj, did an entire episode about the impending eviction crisis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back right at the beginning of the pandemic. 
And it's just not, you know, and what's even more infuriating is that it's not really these poor mom and pop landlords who was like, well, if they don't have, if I don't get my the rent, then I can't pay my mortgage. No, the people who are going to be kicked out and are going to be losing their homes are almost certainly renting from uh, like renting houses from whatever consortiums that are ultimately owned by hedge funds and vulture capitalists that have bought up vacant housing stock in the wake of the crash of 2009 and have turned what used to be homes that people owned into rentals. So Meredith, are you saying bad people benefited from the financial meltdown? Yes. I know it's controversial, What? but I am. Wow. Okay. Well that is breaking news here. Guys on that note, that's enough of the bad. Let's end things on a good note. Here's your good news. So first in good news, we got to talk about uh, Attorney General Letitia James making a pretty big announcement on Thursday, announcing that uh, the state of New York is taking action to dissolve the National Rifle Association following an 18-month investigation that found evidence that the NRA is fraught with fraud and abuse. All the way to the top, including Mr. Wayne Lampierre. It goes all the way to the top, yes. Uh, So the financial misconduct is in the millions of dollars. It contributed to a loss of more than $64 million over a three-year period. Uh, Yeah, the NRA is crooked as hell, and it should go away. Bye-bye. Yeah, not only do they support... uh, death machines uh, under the guise of supposed freedom and love to have uh, mass shootings happen all the time. Uh, They are super corrupt. It's a really fun combination. We get death and corruption. Oh my God. I saw a tweet and forgive me. I forget who tweeted it. I I don't want to crib it without citation, but it was too good not to paraphrase. Somebody was like, man, between this decision and schools being closed, it's been a rough year for the NRA. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, One of the only positive things to come out of uh, the fact that nobody can actually go anywhere is that we've had far fewer mass shootings. Isn't that great? We just had to shut down all of society and uh, not a lot of mass shootings. We've had a couple, but nowhere near the amount that we, we used to have. And all we had to do was completely shut down everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's depressing. And, you know, it's it's also, yeah. And, you know, fuck the NRA. Fuck These the are NRA. people that believe that, you know, teachers have been scrambling to make sure they've been learning how to train little tiny children to survive active shooter drills. Uh, but now they're pussies because they don't want to die of a virus. They're willing, they, 
they already go to school knowing that they might get shot. But yeah, this is. Uh, I don't understand this sort of like back and forth treatment with teachers where it's like, we don't trust teachers. Teachers are the lowest rung of society. They're greedy. Anytime they go on strikes, uh, they're hurting our kids, but also let's arm all of them because we trust them implicitly not to shoot our children. (laughs) It's like, which is it? Do we trust teachers? Do we not trust teachers? It's like teachers have become this sort of like malleable figure in our society that just the right just like uses them however they want to. Yeah, they're greedy and lazy. They only work nine months out of the year. They don't deserve to be paid a livable wage because they're basically just babysitters. But also they have to make sure that they're all fed, like all of the children are fed, constantly fed enough that they uh, all potentially severe behavioral issues are dealt with without any extra aid. And they're supposed to pay for their own school supplies. Uh, You know, there's an entire donation platform that's dedicated entirely just to here's all the things I need for my classroom. <laughs> I don't know why just like the presence of that or like a GoFundMe campaigns for like, I have cancer, please help me not lose my house. Why that wasn't like a bigger wake up call <laughs> for our society where it's like, Oh my God, people, you basically have to hope you have enough social clout so you can just not die in the United States. Yeah, but we apparently don't care. We are a failed state. And yeah. this is uh, unfortunately probably as good as it's going to get. Wait a second. We're in the good news section. Oh, Uh-oh. so the thing I wanted to talk about is, and I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a, a poll about this. So it, it might not be like updated information. But the last poll I saw, even a lot of gun owners hate the NRA. Yeah. And, uh, their, their particular brand of nonsense, like if they have to open up their, actually show their membership list, what they've been trying to avoid, uh, we're going to see that they probably have significantly fewer members than they claim because, uh, it's at least been rumored that they keep, you know, lifetime members on after they die. Oh, interesting. Uh, Okay. Uh, so we'll actually find out that they're a much smaller, uh, smaller group and it's really just the money that's keeping them powerful. So if we can take that away, it's oddly comforting that there are fewer NRA supporters than we might think. (laughs) I am here for it. Anything, uh, anything that takes away some of the power from an organization that is a literal death cult, I'm happy for So also in good news, I wanted to talk about a couple primaries that just happened. Missouri had a a really big night on Tuesday. Cori Bush, who's a progressive activist and a leader of uh, the protest movement for racial justice, took out Representative William Lacey Clay Jr., uh, who represented a real political dynasty in Missouri. Cori Bush was very much the uh, underdog and she captured nearly 49% of the vote by late Tuesday evening compared with 45.5% for Clay. Uh, But it was a, a huge victory and really, really surprising. Yes. And she's a truly fantastic, uh, person and, you know, really inspiring in terms of her story. I mean, 
going out and protesting after Michael Brown was killed and really becoming a major force uh, for change and activism in the St. Louis area, uh, in addition to being, you know, a mom and a nurse and like, I mean, everything Boo. possibly. Boo, a nurse. Uh, you know, she I probably she has can, coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, and yes, it was uh, because William Lacey Clay Jr., got his, like, was basically handed his seat from his father when uh, his father retired. Um, It's a big deal. And, uh, you know, probably a change that needed to happen. I think she's going to be a really interesting presence in Congress. For sure. And it was a really interesting night for Missouri. Voters also narrowly approved Medicaid expansion, which again, Missouri is a deep red state. So the fact that Cori Bush won, the fact that they approved Medicaid expansion uh, is a big fucking deal. And actually, I, I hate saying that like these primaries point to and or indicate anything for uh, national trends or what might happen for the presidential election. But I'll say it's very interesting that this shit is happening in Missouri. Yes. And it's another sign that actually people are capable of voting in their own interests if they like things get dire enough. So we could see some really good stuff happen. And uh, also, weirdly enough, a lot of the support was coming from the suburbs. So that could also have a lot of, uh, despite the fact that suburban people are still very likely to vote for Trump. Yeah, some well, people I, seem to be, you know, getting getting the message. That's one of those things. It's like I'll I'll vote for Medicaid expansion if it benefits me, because <laughs> it's like I want Medicaid, you know. Um, but yeah, these people could also just turn around and and vote for Trump because they're scared of black people. Yeah. Um, can I add something into the good news section because it makes me so happy. Absolutely. Is it primary related? Because I have one other primary story. It is related to politics, but it's not primary related. So uh, okay. go uh, forth. Yeah, just do it after me. So other primary election results, all four native candidates running for office in Kansas won their primary elections on Tuesday, including one who is the presumptive winner of a state house seat and will become Kansas's youngest sitting legislature legislator, 26 year old first time candidate, Christina Haswood uh, won her democratic primary with 70% of the vote. She crushed it. Absolutely wonderful. And another place where you wouldn't necessarily expect to see a lot of like really fantastic victories, but, uh, Texas, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's really amazing. And, you know, credit to the, the candidates and the organizers and activists who supported them. But yeah, really exciting that these were results in Missouri and Kansas. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I just hope that these, this trend continues and maybe, uh, we can actually see some some positive changes coming at the state level uh, in places that have been really run by scary conservative legislatures for a long time. Yeah. And I just want to shout out uh, Stephanie, who's the one who sent me the story about Missouri voting to expand Medicaid. Thank you. And anytime you guys have good news or bad news stories you want to send me, uh, you can tweet them to me at Allison Kilkenny or at Light Treason Pod. Uh, Meredith, good news me. Uh, did you see that the Libertarian Party's 2020 candidate has been bitten by a rabid bat? I did. 
but it didn't occur to me to put it in the good news section, but I absolutely should have put it in the good news section. <laughs> Look, it's not, I mean, the, the candidate getting the vaccine, if you are bitten by a potentially rabid animal and you can get the vaccine and get the treatment, rabies is totally treatable. You will not end up being old yellered, but, and that is why I think it goes in the good news because it's literally very rabid. funny. It's very <laughs> funny. Somebody again, a God, I hate just like loosely quoting Twitter, but I don't want to present it as my own joke. But somebody was like, <laughs> wow, it turns out Batman is a libertarian. And I was like, shut it down. That's the funniest <laughs> fucking thing I have ever heard. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Also, Listen, I know there are bats in rural communities. I know this is not as rare as people think. It's like when all the liberals were like, feral hogs. Who has feral hogs on their property? And it's like, actually, a lot of people. But I don't know. Getting bitten by a rabbit bat has to be pretty statistically rare, right? It is pretty rare, yeah. Okay. I mean, Um, damn. Yeah, yeah, my only experience with bats is the ta- is the summer when the bats came for me, which was uh, 2002. Wow. Um, there that, was by bat- the way, that's <laughs> the that is the name of your autobiography. <laughs> uh, and I yes, I was informed that if if they spend a lot of time indoors, there's probably something wrong with them because normally they shouldn't do that, which made living with a family of bats very frightening. A uh, family, a damn family of bats. Oh yeah. Have you ever awakened to a weird flapping noise in the middle of the night and then turned on a light to see a bat circling your head? No, I hate it. Uh, (laughs) I will say my closest, uh, shave with a bat was, My grandfather used to have a trailer in upstate New York and our close family just owned cabins like in the immediate area. So very late at night, you would be walking from like our aunt and our uncle's cabin back to the trailer and you would like feel something graze your hair and just be like, oh, my God, I want to (laughs) die. Yeah. Well, that uh, in addition to the family of bats, there was one time I was. I was sitting in the back seat of a friend's car. We were driving and I feel a leaf come and like hit my side. I'm, you know, wearing a strapless dress and I go to pick it up and throw it out of the uh, window. Oh my God. It was a, it was a bat. It was a damn bat. Everybody. It was a bat. I told you the bats came for me. So as someone who knows about bats, this is good news. It's funny. Did you actually pick it up? I touched it and then I screamed and we almost crashed the car, but then we pulled over and, uh, jumped out and got, got the bat out. So I did not have to actually pick it up. Was it just hanging out or did it start to like flap around? Uh, it was just hanging out, but generally speaking, you don't really want to be near the bats. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Just a good guys. Don't attempt to do splits right now and don't pick up fucking bats. All right. (laughs) And also, don't say that I don't ever provide educational material on this show, because those are two good pieces of advice. We are doing service. This is a service podcast. It should be a nonprofit. It shouldn't. Uh, so lastly, before we, we sign off, I wanted to talk about Jerry Falwell Jr. and just the oh. terrible, terrible luck that has befallen him. He of course, has had to take a leave of absence from Liberty University for practically doing nothing. All he did, you guys, was post a photo to his Instagram account. 
in which he has his arm around a pregnant woman with a bare midriff at a private party on a yacht. And he's holding a glass of what appears to be an alcoholic beverage, though he referred to it as black water. Don't know what that is. Uh, when he then he quickly deleted the photo. Oh, also, his pants were like kind of undone. Oh, so, yeah, definitely unzipped. Definitely unzipped. So he quickly had to delete it because everybody was like, the fuck? Uh, people called him to be like, what is this? What happened? And he gave a very, very weird interview with a Virginia radio station. Uh, <laughs> he said he apologized to everybody and he promised his children I'm going to try to be a good boy from on out. Okay. Uh, He identified the woman as his wife's assistant. And apparently other photos uh, emerged showing his wife was there, several of his children, their spouses. So, like, it seemed like, um, you know, this was a whole family thing. But still, people were like, hey, at Liberty University, we're not allowed to engage in any kind of debaucherous behavior, including drinking alcohol. So you're a fucking hypocrite. So he has been forced to take a leave of absence. And I'm putting that in the good news section. And I think it belongs there. Let's, let's leave it. And anytime something happens that exposes the hypocrisy in people who deign to be slut shamey moral arbiters. Uh, yeah, we should definitely you have my promise. Anytime anything bad happens to Ellen or the Falwells, it goes in the good news section, everybody. That's my commitment on Light Trees and News. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Okay, this is a service podcast, everybody. That's enough for today, guys. Everybody, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Go listen to our bonus episode, Will You?, with Jeff Barnaby, director of Blood Quantum. Watch Blood Quantum. It's a good fucking movie, especially if you're a fan of horror uh, and you're afraid of um, Native people uh, killing white zombies. (laughs) Watch it, everybody. It's a a good time. Meredith, do you have anything else you want to plug? Uh, nothing to plug for the moment. Uh, at some point in the near future, there will be an article, uh, in which I talk about, uh, what it's like to have a corgi and what people should know before they get that dog. And so more opportunities to learn about my beautiful dog, Rosa Luxembourg. And, uh, also if you have HBO, all of the leprechaun movies are on it. So <laughs> a late recommendation. can have some fun. <laughs> a late recommendation in the show. I love it. All I'm of not, the leprechaun yes, movies. I cannot. I do not have anything to plug except for the leprechaun movies. I've never seen any of them. Oh, they are glorious. I got to go watch them. Mostly yeah. for my culture. I have to go I, watch the Leprechaun you movies. Do. I really think that if you watch Leprechaun in the hood, you're going to learn something about yourself. Wow. Okay. Another service that we're providing for everybody. And guys, you won't miss any of Meredith's articles if you just fucking follow her on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Go do it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>